This podcast is brought to you by Craft Beer and Brewing Magazine for those that love to make and drink great beer. To learn more or to subscribe, visit beerandbrewing.com or find us on social media at Craft Beer Brew. For years, G&D Chillers has chilled the beers you love, partnering with 3,000 plus breweries across the country. They're proud of the cool partnerships they've built over the past 30 years. They know brewing doesn't stop at 5 o'clock and nor do they. G&D uses quality components, expert craftsmanship, and constant innovation. With 24-7 service and support, your brewery will never stop. Remote monitor your chiller for simple and fast access to all the information you need. Uh, providing you with the peace of mind, your operation is running smoothly. Reach out for a quote today at gdchillers.com or call to discuss your next project. Also, this episode is sponsored by BSG and their partners at HVG, who bring you the very best in German hops, including Amira, the latest from their hop breeding program. With its classic hoppy, slightly herbal, and zesty lemon aromas, it's the ideal hop for those looking to capture the traditional flavor of a classic German lager. Visit bsgcraftbrewing.com to learn more. And if you hear Old Orchard mentioned in the brewing community, don't be surprised. The flavored craft juice concentrate blends from Old Orchard have shipped to over 46 states. Their new brewing customers often mention discovering Old Orchard through the word-of-mouth recommendation of another brewer. To join the core of Old Orchard's brewing community, learn more at oldorchard.com slash brewer. This week's podcast is, is a bit different than most. A couple weeks ago, I drove down to Colorado Springs to catch up with Jess and Rich Fierro of Atravita Beer. Jess was the winner of season one of the Vice TV show Beerland and went on to open the small community-focused brewery in 2018. From the start, the brewery has proudly embraced the slogan, diversity, it's what's on tap. And over the past five years, they've lived that as uh, women brewers have outnumbered men in their brew house by a ratio of about four to one. Uh, it's be a different, unusual, interesting case study all on its own. Uh, but then the night of November 19th, 2022 changed everything. Um, Jess, Rich, their daughter Cassie, and her longtime boyfriend Raymond and some others were celebrating a birthday at Club Q in Colorado Springs when a gunman attacked the club, uh, killed five, injured another 19, before Rich, who retired with the rank of major after 15 years of service in the Army, charged the gunman, disarmed and subdued them, and almost certainly prevented more deaths. Uh, and it was an act that the mayor of Colorado Springs described as heroic. Um, Raymond, unfortunately, was one of the five shot and killed by the gunman. Uh, but that incident isn't what this podcast is about. In this episode, you know, we discuss what happened after, before and after, by, you know, for that matter. Um, Jess, Rich, Cassie, they all worked and still work for the brewery. And so, you know, of course, Atravita, they, they're small business owners. There isn't some magical mechanism that automatically keeps your business going when a tragedy like this occurs to you. You know, the outpouring of support for them was intense. The backlash was also intense. Suddenly, they're thrust into a spotlight while also having to process as such a traumatic personal event. Um, and now, of course, you know, if for those of you who've followed their social media know that those there are there's a small subset of people who purported to want to support them, um, who've been engaging in various forms of harassment over something seemingly trivial as a delay in shipping T-shirts. Uh, but as you'll hear through this episode, Jess, Jess and Rich, uh, they're, they're special people. Our conversation covers all sorts of subjects from brewing creative beers that connect through diverse flavors to running a value-centered business and managing a business after trauma with all the ups and the downs that come with it. You know, this their story, I mean, it's an incredibly inspiring one. 
And I think it reflects the absolute best values that our world of craft beer hopes to project. Uh, before we get into the conversation, take your brain to the next level with AccuBrew's revolutionary fermentation monitoring system, now predicting specific gravity. With AccuBrew, You'll have precise control over the fermentation process and ensure consistent, high-quality results. Their cloud-based app and, and compact sensor work together to monitor specific gravity, fermentation activity, clarity, and temperature. AccuBrew is CIP-ready and designed to stay out of your way. Their set-it-and-forget-it solution streamlines systems and processes, confirms consistency, and helps detect problems before they ruin a batch. Join the AccuBrew community today and experience 24-7 peace of mind. Visit AccuBrew.io. To learn more. Also, brewing is currently one of the most innovative, adaptive, and fast-paced industries in the world. With consumer demand shifting from the latest and greatest trends, it can be difficult for production teams to keep up with the requirements. The ProFill series of rotary can fillers from ProBrew are accelerating plant production everywhere. These can fillers run at speeds between 100 and 600 plus cans per minute while achieving precise and consistent filling volumes not achievable by most inline and mobile fillers. For more information, visit your uh, visit www.probrew.com or email contact us at probrew.com to learn exactly how they can take your operations to the next level. ProBrew brew your beer and tabski qr code ordering is the future of brewery ordering with tabski your customers can order and pay for their beers right from their phones by scanning a qr code on the table get rid of lengthy lines and increase check size by up to 30 percent tabski is free for operators and integrate seamlessly with popular payment systems like Clover and Square. So why not join the future of brewery ordering and give Tabski a try? Learn how you can get started today at Tabski, that's T-A-B-S-K-I dot com. Now, here's my conversation with Jess and Rich of Atre Vida Beer. Welcome to the podcast, Jess and Rich. How are you Thank doing? You. Thank you. What we want to talk about in this episode of the podcast um, you know, is everything from how you brewed beer uh, how you have approached a flavor-forward way of connecting with craft, diverse craft beer audiences through flavor. How here in Colorado Springs, um, a decidedly conservative community with the Air Force Academy here, you know, a long, large military community. Not that military is necessarily always <laughs> conservative. I'm, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a military guy myself. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And I think you know, so we want to overcome that stereotype also. But you know, also home to a number of evangelical organizations, yeah. headquarters, and whatnot. Colorado Springs, in terms of Colorado, is you know politically um, a very conservative place. Yeah. You know, relative to the, next, the rest of the state, and you all have uh, you know. Uh, uh, gone out with a pro-diversity message from the very start of this brewery. Also want to talk, you know, about how you all, I mean, running a small brewing business is hard enough, even in the best of times, managing through um, dealing with the personal trauma involved in this, as well as the uh, spotlight that was shown on you all. Um, the number of interviews, the number of expectations that people have placed on you, the profile that that's created um, has you know created both uh, opportunities as well as lots and lots of challenges that you all are almost uniquely dealing with. Uh, the amount of online trolling that you all have to suffer <laughs> through is absolutely mind blowing. And and so you know through the course of this conversation, you know I want to talk about all of those things. But why don't we start with some of your own beer histories? You know what was it? You know, how did you all connect with craft beer and what then got you excited about brewing beer? So we actually lived in Germany through our military travels. We landed in Heidelberg, Germany. Um, we were out there for just shy of about six years, five and a half years, something like that. Um, 
I was never a fan of beer. I was a big wine person, um, tequila girl. Uh, so we go to Germany and, you know, you got your leaders of beer out there and you're, you're in the Mecca of it all, right? I mean, that's, that's, if you know beer, that's where you want to be. And, um, it took Rich probably the better half of a year to convince me to even start drinking beer. Well, I, I mean, let, let's be honest, right? It's, it's a Euro 50 for bottled water. And it's, I think it's a Euro 25 at that point for a glass of a, a tall pint of beer. And I'm like, dude, what are we doing here? Because then we go to we go anywhere to drink, and she's like ordering drinks that are like 14 euro. And I'm like, hey, I, I'm just an army guy. I ain't making that kind of money. So it was it was very interesting how that whole transition really became an, an economic decision to go towards beer or to convince her to go towards beer, and and then she really went for it. Yeah, I think I think that pivotal moment for for me was. Um, as there was a, a military unit um, that my husband was in, and they were holding a hell and farewell at a local brewery there in Plankstadt, and it was called Veldebrau. And um, as part of the as part of the function, the brewer came out and they gave us a back of the house tour, grain to glass, what it took to make a beer, and just I remember looking at everything, all the shiny equipment, and kind of just I looked at it with such a naive and just very trivial kind of thought process where I looked at it and I was like, oh my God, I can totally do this, right? N did not have any idea like how labor intensive it would be. Um, but I loved the, the thought of being able to create. I loved that. And so we finished with the tour. We got a glass of beer. And that glass of beer was the first beer that I had tasted that had a little bit of like a like a lime rindy kind of taste to it. And I'm cute, like, that's one of my favorite fruits is lemon. And so from then on, like that entire night, we, I drank beer that entire night. We danced, we partied, all that kind of stuff. And it was kind of messy with my head because like I knew that I didn't like beer and I didn't understand why I was really liking this beer. Um, from then on, we kind of caught that bug, right? And so I wanted to go and explore and Rich would take me to, all the breweries out in, I mean, listen, I didn't have the palette. If I can go back with the palette that I have today, that would be fantastic. Because <laughs> sure. I'm sure I turned, you know, made an ugly face or turned a blind eye to some of the most fantastic beers out there. I mean, we had beers, you know, all the best beers in, in uh, Germany, Belgium, Czech, like everywhere, Italy. And um, I kind of call it my Bruniverse over there. You know, that that's really, really where I learned to love beer. And over there, you know, it's still very family oriented as well. So you get to talk to the brewers, you get to go back to the house, you get to kind of pick brains. And I really took that same idea and brought it back here to Colorado. We ended up in 2007. I believe yeah. we, we um, he got his stateside orders for Colorado Springs. Yeah, but but just to touch on that family thing, like it's huge. I mean, in Europe, it, yeah. the whole family goes to the to the local brewery. We were, I mean, we were dancing to Santana cover bands out in the middle of Germany, <laughs> right? And 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 it's it was just a, an atmosphere, a vibe of community. And and I think that's where for us, craft beer kind of separates itself from big beer because that's about business. And craft beer, even though we're all trying to make a dollar, I understand that. It's about community. And for us, that was very, very relatable. And that was us as a as a family. That's that's what we we dig, right? We're we're all about service. All of us have been. Yeah. Yeah, for such a long time in America, alcohol and the consumption of alcohol has been seen as it's this a grimy bar. Adult, yeah, dirty yeah, yeah. thing right. you know, yeah. that old men do in dark spaces. Yeah. Um, you know, versus this kind of you know, of working into the fabric of life 
and alcohol being a you know something that you consume in moderation and responsibly but do it in this you know this environment and uh, i think that's you know, what with, it is because when we were out there i mean and we we're drinkers, right? I mean, we drink. And every fest that we went to, every bar that we went to for the better half of five and a half years, I mean, not once did we see a bar fight. Not once did we see people being ugly to each other. It was just so, you raise your pint, you pros, and, you know, let's let's move on. And, and people would just gather. You, they would come and sit with you, and you didn't know them. But by the end of the day, you know, you'd plan your next brewery with them, you know, and it was, it was just such an incredible feeling. That's really what I love about craft beer because we do have that same feeling here. Um, I learned about the purity laws out there. Uh, so then we came to, uh, my husband got his stateside orders for Fort Carson here in Colorado Springs. And I remember one of his buddies telling me, cause they knew at that point that I was getting really into beer. And one of his buddies told me, Oh my God, you're going to the Napa Valley of beers. And I was like, what is that? Right. And so we come over here and my first love and passion was cosmetology and barbering, makeup artistry. And so I went and enrolled in Paul Mitchell, the school, and, and um, I actually was in the middle of doing one of my color formulations because that's really where I excelled. I loved cutting and barbering and all that, but I loved color formulation, which is ironic because I hate math and science and chemistry always failed on those things. Um, but that this is where I excelled. And so at one point... Um, once I had finished school, I had um, I, I was in the middle of, of doing a color formulation for a client, and I had one of my coworkers there, and um, I just looked at her, kind of, you know, being being facetious, I guess. And um, I told her, I was like, I'm gonna mix this color so that she has to come back to me. Someone can do it. Someone can get close, but it's not gonna be exact, right? She's gonna she's gonna have to come back to me for this color formulation. And so I did that. And, you know, we both kind of laughed it off. And as I'm whisking the color in the bowl, I'm going, oh, my God, I can totally fucking do this with beer. Why can't <laughs> I do this with beer? And that's kind of where both my worlds kind of collided a little bit. Now, during 2007 to 2009 or something like that, we, we started because here at that time in Colorado Springs, there was only a handful of breweries. Sure. There was um, five. There, yeah. yeah, there was about five breweries. And this was one of them. So Great Storm, it was Great Storm before it became right. Arturita, right? Yeah. And so it was Great Storm. Uh, one, Phantom, Phantom Canyon, Canyon Bristol, Bristol, Red Leg. Uh, Red Leg had opened in 2012. He had just opened, yeah. 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 So yeah. he's, when we got here, there was five breweries. And, yeah. Smi and Smiley Tip, which was KB's at the time, was the one we would go yeah. to because it was the only one on the east side of town where we lived. Yeah. Um, and that's where she one day randomly goes, I want to brew. Um, and we were just having a beer and, and I'm not kidding you. The brewery is smiley to the first smiley to KBs, whatever you want to call it. It was about as big as this room. And so the brewer is standing on the other side of the table with his brew system next to him. Right. It's a, it was, it was, it was a, a half, half barrel. barrel. <laughs> and, and I mean, we're like sitting there with Biff and, and he just, just randomly goes, Hey dude, I want to, I want to brew. And he's like, nah, you don't, you don't want to brew. This is, it's ugly. It's dirty. And she's like, no, I don't care. Like, and he's like, well, you got nails. You got, you do your face and all that. He's, she's like, no, I'll, I'll be, what time? And he goes uh, seven in the morning, next day. Right. And she got up, showed up with her notebook. And then, uh, Mark yeah, was that the brewer. Was, right? Yeah. Mark was the head brewer at the time. And, um, and I mean, uh, I mean, in all honesty, previous to all of that, I had been, we, we had been doing brewery tours up and down the sure. front range. Like we brought all our cousins from San Diego who are craft beer connoisseurs and we were rolling like 14, 15 deep in every brewery. 
Um, and we have some of the most amazing pictures. But the best part of that is that you were it, doing your research. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, every we were single. In, we were in when it was still a thing. And yeah. Grim had just opened up. Like, there was. Like, Grim just sold right now. Yeah. Like, so, yeah. like, it, there's so many things that have changed, right? Because even Smiling Toe, they're, they're, he's finally they're retired. Yeah. He's yeah. done. So, we, we look around and, and we grew up in this weird changing experience. Because, I mean, typically you thought of beer in Denver, Boulder, and, and, and Fort Collins. Um, but not down here, you know? And sure. so, so it was one of those things for us that was really, really cool. We kind of fell in love with it. She told me, we were sitting at a, at a bar when, or one of the breweries and she goes, Hey, by, by the time we're 40, I want to open a brewery. And I said, well, first of all, you don't even know how to brew, but you, you're learning. And she's like, no, 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 that's what we're going to do. And I said, okay, fine. You know, I, by that time I, I figured I'd be retired already out of the army and everything, but it, it kind of didn't work. I mean, like, like it, it worked out, but it went in a whole different direction. Like life has other plans. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like for us, for us, so, and, and, and you mentioned it earlier, right? So diversity is a big thing for us. And so while we're doing all these tours and we're going up and down Colorado and we're going to breweries, whenever we visited out of town to see my brother or whatever, we'd stop at breweries. Cause that's honestly, it's a great place just to gather, relax and, and catch up. Right. So we were doing that and we kept looking around and going, Hey, we're the only ones in here that look like us. And but we'd go back to San Diego, and there was a ton of us in the breweries. Mm -hmm. So we would we would see the difference of of how the cultures were almost like separate. And we were like, dude, that's not cool, man. You know, Latinos love to drink. We love gathering. We love community, and that's what breweries are about, right? And and we were we're, just to look at Colorado does have yeah yeah. And and even if we don't, it's still we still wanted to create a space where people felt welcome, right? So they didn't feel out. Because we always felt like nobody, nobody ever questioned, you know, like, what are you guys doing here, right? That's not the thing. But when you stick out, when you're the only one in a room that looks like you or acts like you, you kind of feel different, right? And so we wanted to kind of smooth that out. And that's, that was what our intention was with, with Atre Vida, right? And, and so for us, that became our mission was like above and beyond beer. It was... We want to make a space where people like us felt felt comfortable. Not not not. This is our spot. This is everybody's spot. That's what's what diversity is about, right? Just bringing in every everything you can. Yeah, and and in actually in doing our research, um, you know, when we did that, that our goal was fifty breweries in four days. We finished at fifty two breweries in four days. And um, fifty two in four days. In four days. Yes, wow. yes sir. We, went up, we, went <laughs> we up had a DD. <laughs> we went up from here in a, in a van. We rent, we rented a van and we went up on the on the east side of uh, so Greeley and we went up sure. all the way to Fort Collins. Then we came back down on the Loveland side and then back through Idaho Springs and then back into the Springs again. So yeah, we kind of did a big giant cigar, uh, if you yeah. will, sure. of all the breweries. And, and at that point, it, it was pretty close. Fifty is pretty close to w- what was out there. You know, there was. At that point, I think there was only 200, two, two something in, in breweries. And I don't know what the hell we're at now. It's got to be over five. I, I mean, the first yeah, night yeah. was a little yeah. bit of a shit show because we were all, you know, kind of reunited and together sure, and stuff. Sure. Um, but from then on, I mean, we would walk in. And like I said, there was 14, 15 of us at any given time. And we all had our little notebooks and we were taking notes and we would talk to the owners and we'd get our tours and all that kind of stuff. And and for me, it was... <laughs> Sorry, it was, Wits End, that was, a, that was oh, our, one of our Wits favorites. End, yeah, and Scott, and yeah. they really took yeah. care of us when we showed up. Yeah. Because it was... We filled the brewery. Like, there, yeah, I mean, yeah. Wits End was just in the back of a commercial building, you know? It was, at that time. Yeah, yeah. so we, we were... We were uh, we were kind of blown away. Hell, he was still pouring out of a jockey box for the, the tap room when mm-hmm. we went through. So it was it was pretty neat. Yeah. Jay Wells, holy crap! Now I'm, I'm just thinking about the little spots we went sure. to, 
it, it's it's pretty Jay amazing. Jay Wells, I think, was out of like a little garage. Yeah, yeah. And There's a commercial like commercial gr- beach folding chairs. Yep. <laughs> and he had two, and he had uh, his his brew system were were uh, oil barrels, like just barrels, yeah. drums. Okay, oh, his beer he was solid them. though. Yeah, the beer yeah. was solid. He's yeah. an engineer, so he just made himself sure. a system, and sure. it was really really cool. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I'm I'm drifting. Sorry. Go ahead. So 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 yeah, we did we sure. did that whole kind of research little tour, and um, after that, after those four days is when I knew this was something I wanted to do. This was something that I really was like had grown a passion for. Um, to kind of circle back into the diversity, it's on tap and Natrevida, the name, and and people not kind of looking like us, right? Um, everyone here in the springs because we would frequent all the breweries here. Uh, they all knew us, you know, all the servers, all the owners, all that kind of stuff. And I had been saying for a while, hey, I, I want to just get my feet wet, so to speak. Right. Can I come in and observe? Can I just, um, you know, can I guest brew? Can I do this? Can I do that? And everyone was like, oh, yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. But there was never any follow through. There was never any follow through. And so then I figured I would kind of switch it up. So I was like, OK, instead of asking, can I go in? And because I know a lot of that is proprietary information. Sure. You know, we get that. And so I said, it's the spirit of craft beer, sharing, you know, and helping everyone all get better at this. Yeah. uh, That's one of those core fundamental uh, tenets of craft beer, right? Well, and and I think that that's, it it is absolutely. And um, I think that that's one of the things that really helped me in my journey from home brewing into owning my own brewery was really going out there and picking brains. I would go out there, like my husband said, I would show up with my notebook. I would email the owners, hey, can I get 10 minutes of your time just to kind of pick your brain a little bit? Because I wanted to make sure that I was setting myself up for success. Now, at the same time, I could have opened earlier. I chose not to because I was scared. I was intimidated, you know, and and everyone around me is going, you brew good beer. You've got to do it. you got to do it. And I was like, listen, if I open up a place and the only thing I'm selling is the beer I'm making and no one buys it, like I'm screwed, right? And not only am I screwed, but my ego's just torn to pieces, right? And so it, it's a personal thing, you know, that with craft beer, yeah. it, it's, it becomes very personal to you. She, she, always, so, she always said uh, uh, it's integrity, her integrity's in a glass, right? Yeah. So it, it, for me, that's stuck. There's, there's a few things she's said that really stick um, that part and then and I'm just going to say it because I don't want to forget, but but when she hires, she doesn't hire people based on the skill set they bring, but on the values they have because it, she can't train you to be honest. She can't train you to be loyal, uh, but she can train you how to make beer or she can train you how to pour a beer. So those are the things that like the values and, and it, like because you, you mentioned that earlier, the values based kind of business, it's values based. It has nothing to do with, you know, like this this race or that race or this sexual identity or whatever you want to do we don't care i mean we i went to war so that people can do what they want right and the fact that we're here kind of pigeonholing folks i think that's what she's really brought out i mean she's, she's got a brewery of all women but at, at points we've had men brew back here too it's not it is not exclusive and and that's what we get a lot of here and a lot of those trolls you're talking about it's about they look at us as exclusive and we're not, we're inclusive. That's the whole point of, of diverse. That's the whole point of what we're doing. She's introducing you to flavors and ideas that you may never have heard of before. Well, and that's why I say it's women forward, right? Sure. It's, it's women forward. That doesn't mean that I would never hire. I mean, I had my lead brewer Ian for my gosh, three years. Um, and then he went on to bigger and better things, you know? Um, but it's, it's woman forward and it's giving opportunity that they otherwise wouldn't be given and also being, being able to create that space 
on a professional level where they feel safe, right? Because that's a big, big deal too. We'll be back with more after this. Oh, you like wildly aromatic IPAs and tropical lagers? Good thing Omega designed thialized yeast for just that reason. Thialized yeast are a new tool for brewers to bring intense guava and passion fruit aromas out of your malt and hops. And wait, there's more. Omega yeast makes yeast to order with a consistent one-week lead time ensuring peak freshness and reliability. Also, keep your brewery running smoothly with five-star chemicals. Their cleaning solutions are specifically formulated to meet the unique needs of breweries, ensuring that your equipment stays clean and free of harmful bacteria and contaminants. From cleaning fermenters to kegs, they have a solution for every step of the brewing process. Use five-star chemicals today and taste the difference in your brews. And ABS Commercial has been a full-service brewery outfitter for over 10 years. They're proud to offer brew houses, tanks, keg washers, and small parts to brewers across the country, as well as equipment for distilling, cider making, wine making, and more. They know the ins and outs of the brewing and installation process and can design the perfect setup for you, whether you're just starting out or looking to expand. Contact them today at sales at abs-commercial.com to discuss your customized brewery needs. ABS Commercial, we are brewers. Now, back to Jess and Rich. You all are not alone in this, I'm going to hire good people yes. and I'm going to train them to be the brewers and the the servers, you know, and bartenders, beer tenders that we want them to be. In fact, you know, I've over the course of the last six years of the podcast spoken to so many excellent world-class brewers who've come out of the front of house side mm-hmm. and then moved into that back of house because they are, they love beer. Mm-hmm. They love, they wanted to make beer, but you know, they didn't necessarily have that brewing education. They were great, great workers, and someone took them under their wings and helped them become those brewers they wanted to be. And, and That's this it, is yeah. not a cheap, it's not a cheap hobby, right? No, so, no. so like, I, I get it. If I'm a kid making 14 an hour, you know, trying to make it, I, I don't have the money to go buy a brew house system for my, you know, a home brew kit and all this sure. other stuff, unless I can build it, you know? Um, Jess, Jess has taken that opportunity. Every single one of her servers so far has come to the back of the house and learned and then stayed brewing. Taylor, uh, our, our, she was our one of our first customers, and she's now a brewer. A brewer. Um, and and those are the kind of things you know when this when this incident happened, the shooting happened when we first opened. We were going to open with four people, which is really all we have because there's five of us, but three of us were in the shooting. Cassie was at a broken knee at the time, so we we're going to open with the four of us and just pray that the line wasn't too bad and we would be okay. All of her previous employees showed up, went right to the back, dropped off their bags with their spouses. Men, women, didn't matter. And friends. And friends. Derby. And they all showed up and started pouring beer. So so to me, like that that thing that everybody says, you know, when you build a business, you're trying to build this family. It's it's more lip service. She did that. Like, that's a hard thing to do to get your previous employees. I mean, from, you know, hadn't been here for a year, almost two years. Walk right in the back and start helping didn't ask for a dime, didn't ask for anything, didn't, when we told them, what are you doing? They're like, I'm helping you, we're doing this. And that was for us, like the blessing of, that's the payback for investing in your in your employees, investing in uh, people. Because at, at the end of the day, a beer's a beer, right? And, and we always, I've always said that, I said the last 5%, the last 2%, that's the brewer. Um, and and that, that's that soul, that heart, that something that you add to it. If you're having a bad day, your beer's coming out like crap. It, it's just the way it is, right? And so she's putting people in positions to where they feel that they have a voice. And and these are young women that, you know, that probably never even thought they would be brewing beer, and, and now they are. I mean, Tasha, her lead brewer, was a, she was she used to work at Great Storm as the, the game night lady. 
right? And now she's a head brewer, you know, or lead brewer. Lead brewer. Um, so I, I, I just watched the, that progression over the last five years of, of a business, and it has nothing to do with the beer. It has everything to do with the people. And, and that last 2% gets you past the trolls and the, and the anger and the hate and all this other crap. That's what we, we live for. That's what we do in craft beer. I, I, I brought this up at, at CBC. I, I'm like, I, I feel like craft beer is drifting from its core. And its core is a bunch of folks standing around a kettle watching a boil and then drinking beer and trying to figure out what's next, right? How, what's the next step? How do we change it so it's ours? We're losing that to, hey, how do I make more cash? And, and there's becoming a distance between craft beer uh, and, and, the, and the consumer. And I, and I think that's what's reflected in a lot of the numbers, right? The only demographic that's, go, that's growing right now is LGBT, uh, Latino, BIPOC. BIPOC community, everything. Yeah. Everything that we are. Yeah. And, and that's because that's a, it's a community that was never marketed to. It was never like sent the message, hey, you're part of this craft beer thing too. Because it's kind of one of those things where I'm only able to buy the big brands at, at the, 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 liquor, the store. liquor store, you know, and I, and I don't know what all these bottle shops are about. Well, bring them in, you know, have something to, to, to bring them in. And that's, and that's, that's what we were looking for was a service, a underserved, an underserved, which, which is everything under the sun, right? And, and so that's, that's, that's for us what, what this thing did that she started with an, an accidental homebrew competition that turned into a tv show right yeah <laughs> you know what i'm saying like they, it, listen sure, I, sure. I was in the ar- i was in the army for f- almost 15 years and and when i i get i get out and she does this stuff and i'm like the hell was i doing dude i should have never joined i could i could have had her like we would have been you know the next stone right um but but she's done some amazing things with this and and that was a total accident she by her reaching out to so she had to go to denver to meet other women brewers uh, the only it other one the here was, was Gretchen chapter. here at, at Great Storm. Gretchen was a brewer. And so Jess and Gretchen were the only two brewers in the Springs that were female at that time. And so she'd go up to Denver. She'd go to Fort Collins. I mean, it was random. Like, she'd be like, hey, hey I'm leaving. I got to go. I'm, I'll be back later tonight. And she'd go up to Fort Collins and they'd have a, a Pink Boots meeting. And she came back with this glow like, hey, there's others out there doing this. Like, and, and, like had no idea. <laughs> You know, because whenever we whenever we go to a brewery, we go to the back and it's five dudes or whatever. And then they want to talk to me. They don't want to talk to her. And, and I was it was funny. We were in uh, St. Louis uh, at, a, at a brewery. It was Civil Life. It was, it, I don't even sure. know if they're still there. Oh, they're there. Okay. So yeah. Civil Life, we were, we were going through the back. I fell in love with this place and I brought Jess out yeah. and I, I brought her back to this, the brewery. We got a little tour and the guy kept talking to me, man. I'm like, dude, I told you she's the brewer. So we kept going and he kept talking to me and I'm like, all right, whatever. We get to the end and Jess asks some question about BTUs or whatever, some, some brewer question. I have no clue. I'm not, I'm not a brewer. <laughs> and the guy goes, oh, hell, you are the brewer. And she's like, dude, I've been telling you this the whole time, right? And, like, and it's not his fault. He's just never seen it before, right? And, and so that's where, for us, it's been really cool. And it's challenging for her because she's got, a, she's got that, you know, that we, we hear it all the time. Oh, she was playing that woman card. She's playing this card. But what, what is she going to do? Change her skin? and change, you, you can't, you know, like that's who she is. Um, and, and so that, that for me was like, what was really cool is to watch as it grew from this TV show. Right. And, and she won the damn thing, which was really crazy, but it proved to her, like her beer was good. Her beer can be marketed and sold at scale. And, and that's what, you know, ABMB did with that beer. And so at that point she was like, 
People are looking for this. And this is the Viceland show yeah. that Meg Gill from uh, Golden, Golden Road, Road hosted yeah. uh, on Vice TV. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so, and they they featured you on that. They and, did. Uh, you know, it was a competition of sorts, uh, which you won. Tell me about I that, I did. Jess. I did. Um, like Rich said, it was, it was such a moment of confusion. So I was actually doing kind of a politically charged all-woman, I was a part of, um, uh, an all women collaboration brew at several different breweries up in um, up in Denver. Um, Bess was the person that was kind of heading it, and and the ladies from was uh, she a wine coop back then? Uh, I think That's- so. Actually, yes, I think yeah. she was. Yeah, it was her and the the ladies of Lady J, Lady Justice, oh, which awesome. I awesome. love them yep. so much. Um, so as part of as part of that collaboration group, we had kind of a closed Facebook uh, group to kind of communicate. And so at one point they they put on there like, hey, we're still missing a home brewer. So I was the only home brewer. Every other person was, you know, at professional capacity. Yeah. And um, they're like, hey, we're we're missing a home brewer for the homebrew competition. Um, Jess, are you, you know, are you interested? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I mean, sure, I have one beer. I have like three bottles of one beer if that's cool. And they're like, Yep, we'll send your information. I was like, perfect. So they send my information off. I was under the impression that I was going for a local competition, right? A local beer competition up in Denver at Colorado Plus. And um, it turned out that all of a sudden I get this director calling me. So I'm emailing this person. And funny enough, their name was Jamie. And um, I'm very, very Latina sometimes. And so I kept reading it as Jaime. And Jaime is like masculine form, right, In, Mm -hmm. in Spanish. And so this person kept emailing me and signing off as Jaime, Jaime. And I was like, what the crap is this? Because they were asking me like crazy questions. And so, you know, give me your history of brewing. Give me this. And I was like, this is like a different competition, right? And so at one point, at one point, you know, I'm I'm typing, you know, because the beer that I entered was called, um, eventually ended up being called Doña Neta, um, which was a tribute beer to my grandmother, my late grandmother, and it was a tamarind beer to guard with some back end spices. And um, so this beer was very, very personal to me. And and um, the tamarind, the uh, recipe that I used for the tamarind was the same recipe that I used to do that my grandmother taught me to make candies out in Mexico. And that was her way, like we would make these candies and that, and then we'd go out and sell them to, in the community. And everyone regarded my grandmother as Doña Neta. For me, she was Nana Neta. And, um, but that was her way of contributing back to her household. And I just remember being so embarrassed because, oh my God, I'm not going to go and sell candies on the street, you know? And um, that ultimately ended up being the, the winning beer. And um, it, it, it served as kind of the catapult to opening up my own brewery. Um, but that that entire process of, okay, so let me backtrack a little bit. When there, I had gone through the entire questionnaire, I had told them about my beer, I I'd answered all the questions, and they were super excited. And then Jaime goes, hey, we'd like to set up like a Skype meeting just to Skype. <laughs> there was no Zoom yet. Um, a Skype meeting just to kind of get- aim message yes, you right yes. now, right? Um, just to kind of get a gist for your personality, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I was like, okay. And I like didn't really know how to respond. And so I told my husband, I was like, this guy wants to do like a Skype meeting. That's weird. And he was like, well, babe, just do it. If it gets weird, close the laptop. And I was like, all right. So 
So, you know, he's like, I'm going to call you five minutes before Skype, kind of give you the rundown and then we'll, you know, we'll do the Skype meeting or whatever. And then we can just go from there. And I was like, okay, perfect. And so I get on and, and he, or he calls me and it's a lady and she was like, Hey, this is so-and-so from Vice. And I was like, who? And I go, Oh, I've been talking to Jaime. And she was like, no, we don't have a Jaime. I was like, I'm so sorry. I said, what's your name? She was like, Jamie. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm so sorry. I'm completely confused. And so I started asking her questions. I was sure. like, I'm, I'm not super, like, what's going on here? Is this for the Colorado Plus deal? And um, she was like, oh, no, no, you have no idea what you entered. And I was like, no. And so she starts telling me it's a homebrew competition, Meg Gill's the host. Viceland is is uh, the channel that it's going to be airing on, and it's basically you know seeking out the best homebrewer of five different states for season one, which I was a part of season one. And so in season one, it was um, California, New Mexico, Colorado, Hawaii, and New York. And so they had thousands of entries in in each five of those states. And then what they did is they would narrow it down to like five different people that they were going to feature from each state and then pick a winner from one of those states as a finalist to go back out to Golden Road Brewing and then do another three days of competition in front of another three different judges um, and a brewery filled of people that just kind of get to stand up and give their personal opinion on your beer. Um, and then from there, the winner's chosen. And so... I had no idea. I was like, oh, my God, I don't even know how old this beer is. <laughs> it's like I started getting super paranoid. Um, but I was like, you know what? We'll, we'll go through the Skype thing and see what happens. I, I may not be a match for them. And so we did the Skype thing. They loved it. They were like, OK, we're going to get back to you. I'm going to send this to the you know producer and the director and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, my God, this is wild. And so then it started settling in, and I was like, I'm not going to do this. There's no way. Like, TV, number no, one, well, no. They, they also said, we'll be there on Thursday. Right? Yeah. Like, like, and this was on <laughs> Tuesday. And, and we're like, well, wait a minute. Now, and when you want us to brew beer in February in Colorado Springs? Yeah. Are you kidding me? Like, everything's frozen right now. There's and no way. And source tamarind yeah. at that. Yeah. Unreal. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, long story short, my daughter was really the person who, who pushed me. And um, at one point, there was a phone call where they wanted to come and feature, like come and, and, and do some B-roll and interview and watch me brew at my house. And um, I was literally in the middle of saying no. And my daughter, she's like my little mini me. And my daughter goes, oh yeah, I'll do it. Thank you. And hangs up. And I was like, no, like, what did you just do? You know? So I'm like <laughs> frantically trying to call this person back. And they ended up calling me back and I was like, I'm so sorry. She was like, oh, it's okay. We lost connection. I'm going to forward this. I'm so excited. You're going to be a part of it. And at that point, I'm just like, you know, jaw to the floor and <laughs> knots in my stomach. Sure, and I was like, sure. shit, I got to do this now, you know. Um, but it, it ended up being, um, I ended up winning the competition for being the finalist for Colorado State and then winning the competition for season one. And um, I was the only woman brewer on there. There was another married couple out of Hawaii, wonderful people. Um, she was kind of the visionary, but he was the brewer. Um, but to be standing up there as a finalist, number one, for the state of Colorado, number two. Sure, sure. Um, a Latina, a woman with a Latina influence or Latin influence um, style of beer, it's a big deal. Like they had to explain to folks what 
tamarind was. And I was like, that's weird to me that I grew up with tamarind. Right. And I never called it tamarind. I called it tamarindo because that's what I grew up calling it. Right. <laughs> um, but when I won, I always I always cringe a little bit when people come in and they're like, oh, my God, I saw you on Viceland. I'm like, no. <laughs> um, I, I mean, they did like the tightest sure, shot sure. on my face. And I was just like in the ugly cry and my face was all contorted. And but you know what? I mean, it was it was all worth it. And there was so much going on at that time because my mom had just had her surgery for breast cancer the night before. Mm -hmm. So I almost didn't even go up to the show. So my fa our family lives in San Diego, California, and the show was um, the final tapings were being taken place at Golden Road Brewing there in L.A. In LA. Sure. Um, so I ended up driving up like at three something in the morning, getting up at six something the next morning to start filming. And like <laughs> the whole ride was super, super wild. Um, but I'm really, really thankful for that opportunity sure. because it did show me that there was a market for what it was that I wanted to do. I, I knew that I wanted to come in and I wanted to come in with the bold message Diversity, it's on tap, and Atrevida, those, those, so Diversity, it's on tap was born five years before I even opened my brewery. Mm -hmm. I had that written in a notebook. Um, Atrevida was born probably, I want to say maybe a year and a half or so before I opened up my brewery. This was when I was like, okay, I'm definitely going to do a brewery. This is what I want to do. And my sister and I sat down and and we talked about it and we cried about it and we drank about it. You know? <laughs> and then at the end, we're like, oh my God, Atrevida. You know, it's perfect for what I want to do. Um, so, you know, uh, what was it? A year later after the show, um, Atrevida Beer Company was born, actually, yeah, in 2018. Yeah, so it, it, she glosses over this all the time. Like, so we, listen, you win a TV show, Kelly Clarkson, right? She's going to be the next biggest thing on the, on the oh, earth. Okay. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> I'm like, holy crap, I got myself a su superstar. <laughs> We're going to be offered everything in the world and nothing came. No. Um, so, so I was like, There's dude. not like a record deal. Yeah, no, dude. Right, right, right. I was like, I, <laughs> new, new Belgium's calling. Yeah, I, <laughs> angel invest in your right, business. Right, I said, right. babe, you better be ready to move because they're going to they're gonna ask you to brew for a stone and all this stuff and, and then nothing, you know? So for for us, it was not disheartening. It was just like, okay, so now, now what do we do with this? And it happened that at Great Storm, um, uh, what's his name? Jeff. Jeff, yeah, Jeff. Jeff had, had approached us just before this thing and said, hey, I know you guys are into beer. Jess is trying to brew. Do you guys want to pick up Great Storm? And we were kind of like, well, uh, hold on. We were on, customers you know? of his as yeah, well. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, for, for five years. And, and so we're like, uh, hold on, we got this TV thing and we'll see what happens from there. And then, and then it went from there to... Hey, you know what? That's an opportunity I think that we can do. She did it all on her own. I was still, uh, I didn't, yeah. Well, and, and also, I, I mean, by the time we were we were in negotiations with Great Storm Brewing um, with Jeff, this this was my third luck charm because I had tried twice before to open and mm. it just was not working out. The first time I got cold feet and I was like, oh, and I had negotiated the shit out of that lease. I mean, I was, I had an sure, architect sure. in line, like everything was in place and we went to sign papers and I got cold feet and I was like, you know what? No. Cause at that point, Rich was looking at getting out of the military right. as well. Um, so I was like, we have a lot of transition happening right now. So I said no to that. And then the second one, um, Again, we were getting ready to sign papers. I had um, done a wire transfer to give this guy the deposit and everything. And he freaked out because it was a bank and was like, I thought this was between you and I. And I was like, no, this is business. Um, so I was like, red flag, not going to do that. So we ended up not doing that. And, and um, it ended up kind of being a blessing in disguise because at that point, 
uh, was when my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. And I come from a very traditional Mexican family. And it's like when one person's sick, all of us gather. And so um, I knew it wasn't going to be, you know, it was going to be a good minute before I could kind of explore getting, you know, owning my own brewery and then, you know, enter Jeff. And at that point, so the other two times I was completely heartbroken and I had all this like remorse and like regret. And with when Jeff came about, I was like, you know what? Screw it. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I'm not going to cry about it. I'm not going to stress on it. And lo and behold, you know, here we are five years later. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It, it, it was very crazy, but. It's a wild ride. Yeah. And, and, and honestly, a turnkey brewery was probably the best way we can do this. Um, I, and I, and I, I don't know how these guys do it. You know, they go millions into the hole to, to start a brewery, beautiful breweries, great systems, beautiful front of the house. Everything in this place means something to us. We, we painted this place. We put up the murals. We put up all the pictures, half the stuff. It was us and, and my friends, uh, and her friends putting in the, the, the work. Um, so for us, I mean, we built tables, like you're sitting at a table I built just because <laughs> we needed to have another table. Right. Um, th- this is this is a family thing, right? So three of the, of the five or it's six employees right now. Uh, three of the six are just me and Cass, yeah. um, my daughter. And, and the three of us were in the shooting. So the, 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 there's a lot of anger as to what our response was for folks that were just trying to support and buying a t-shirt or come in to have a beer. Three of us were out. And at that point, Tasha and Taylor were the only two here and Taylor wasn't brewing. So Tasha mm-hmm. was the only brewer. We ran out of beer on the third day we were open. Oh, um, uh, no. It's like on the, on the second, second day. day. Yeah. On the second day. We ran out of merch 10 minutes after we opened. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that, listen, I'm a, I'm a craft beer guy. I got a small brewery. It's a, it's a one and a, and, a, and a kind of a homemade tin barrel. And at the end of the day, I would go out and buy T-shirts. And when people ordered them, I'd send them through the mail at the post office. Right. I mean, that's just what I did. Um, and I bought the stuff here. But I had to have the, the merch on hand. And so I, I pay up front and I'm like, okay, here's my extra stuff. And during COVID, we put, I put it on the website because I was, I was going through my master's program. They, they were showing us how to do you know, online sales or whatever. So I built this little page on Wix. And then it, it just was kind of crazy, you know, people from all over the world. Because it resonates. These, these mass shootings are, are, are sickening. They're disgusting. But people, it resonates with people when a family, an entire family was involved. Our best friends were there with us, you know. Uh, we lost Raymond. There, there was six of us there that were connected for years, so over six, ten years, you know. And that's my Colorado family, and we were all attacked. Um, so each day is a challenge for us. And so some days when the trouble pops up, and I want to say something really jacked up, or Jess wants to, give, we've had our moments of, you know, screw you, I don't care, you know. And and that's it's not fair, but it's also for us like. Dude, do you not understand what happened here? This is this is not uh, run of the mill. You know, oh, we got robbed or something. You know, normal. This was completely unnormal. And then we were involved with a community that we were supporting because our friend was there, right? So, so for are the L- supporting. yeah, we yeah, are. Supporting. We always right. support, right? So for us, the LGBTQ community, we're the first brewery in Springs, still are the only ones to march in Pride every year. Be, it, not not for the it, there's no money in it here I mean, right I think, like, it's it's because that's what we wanted to do that's what we that, felt that's was part right. of that follow-through though right i mean it, it's really talk is cheap there's a reason that the phrase is there right you have to walk the walk you have to do the hard work you have to be out there you have to be present 
And that's every, like we live, our motto, diversity is on tap, is literally how we live our life. It, it, it's synonymous one with the other. I don't come in here to pretend to be somebody or I don't hire people who pretend to be somebody. The, this is who we are. We are all like-minded, you know? And when this whole thing happened, um, I, I mean, first of all, the outpouring of love and support and, and just Unreal. I, yeah. incredible. I've never witnessed anything like that in my life. But when we're talking about the trolls and we're talking about people who, you know, want to yell at us and cuss us out because they didn't get their t-shirt or their $50, or, you know, or yeah, that yeah. Jess are in a, a polygamous relationship but, and all this other crap. You but know? the thing is, is that you can't expect people to understand it. I still don't understand it. I went through it. We went through it, but yeah, I don't understand yeah. it. And the minute that I understand it, well, that's my red flag, right? I should not be able to understand that type of mentality of why someone would go in and just shoot a place up, right? Um, that's where I give that leniency and 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 where I'm like, okay, before, and, and, and we are very desensitized as a society, right? Because we see it every day now and, and you hear it every day. It's not taboo anymore. And so... Now for us, I hear shooting and my ears pop up and, sure. and, and I'm aware of what's happening and I'm watching the news and I'm seeing it, right? Before you, I heard shooting and it's like, oh, another shooting. Yeah. And you go about your day, right? And, and so I can't expect these folks um, to understand what we're going through. I mean, we ask for patience and we ask for, you know, um, a little bit of understanding in terms of just human nature, right? Grace, we're, we're, grace, we're going sure, through sure. we're going through a lot as a as a family and and the reality of it is is that we haven't stopped we 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 went through the mass shooting we stayed closed for about a week because it was into thanksgiving opened right after thanksgiving and it's been go 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 i haven't had an opportunity to sit down and and dwell and I can't do that because if I do, I'm going to fall apart. Right. Sure, sure. I still have a business to run. I still have employees who are counting on me. I still have, you know, all these people who want to support us and love on us. And for me, like it, it, we all kind of went into robot mode, you know, I mean, this was also very triggering for a lot of people. For sure. You, you know, and I think, you know, to come back to it, you were dealing with this personal trauma you know, uh, the death of someone that's very close to your family who was there with you that night, yes. mm -hmm. the, the trauma of being involved in this and then opening the business a week later and then trying to manage the spotlight now that's on this business. Mm -hmm. Well, at the same time, it's, every, it's also on us. Every member of yeah. the national press is reaching out to you. Right. You tackle the gunman. You're, you know, you, you know, you're a hero because all of us in, in media and press want to find the good side right. of horrible situations. We see this absolutely horrible situation. You want to find a good, like something that speaks to the, silver the, lining, the good right? of humanity. Yeah. And that is your story, right. is that good of humanity. But you also still, again, have this small business to run mm -hmm. and this burden now of being a national spokesperson you know, and the source of all this media attention. Again, hard enough to run this small business Hard enough to manage all of that media if you weren't having to do anything. Right. Well, and, how, and do I you, think, how did you balance all of this? I think that's the harder part, right? The harder part is is putting aside, if you will, the, the human feelings and kind of going into robot mode and just like having this business at this point in time, having gone through what we've gone through, I feel has been like a blessing and a curse for me, right? There's a lot of stress that's involved. 
the 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 media portion of it he's very good at that he loves that but that's also kind of that is the silver lining right because we now have a platform to bring awareness right and 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 to speak to things in a way that um everyday people can understand everyday people can relate to you know and and so it's important that we do those things right but on the business on the business aspect it's hard because we deal with each other every single day. We see each other every single day and we're all going through it at a different point in time. What triggers me one day can trigger my daughter the next day. You know, three of us in the same household went through the same thing and we all deal with it very, very differently, right? There's a grieving process. There's a mourning process. There's a there's a loneliness. There's the stress. You there's know, a lot and, of anger. And and listen, there's, there's anger, a lot of anger with pain. The, the other part of that, too, is, I mean, I'll be honest with you. When, when this whole thing happened, I, I reached out to my girls and, and here who, who work at, at Travida, and I talked to them, and it was very, very triggering for them, too. You know, Taylor, Taylor and her wife are a part of the community, the LGBTQ plus community, and, you know, it, it's unfortunate, but they, they've seen this before and, and, and they, they've known folks who have been a part of something like this before. And so it becomes very, very triggering and very personal to them immediately. Right. And, but they've also been our customers since almost day one. So they, they know us as a family. Right. And, um, Tasha, who's been with us for five years since the day I opened doors to Atrevida Beer Company, we're, we are her family. She is our family, you know? And so I had to kind of sit down with them and, do you guys want to open? Do you guys like I we will be there, but I'm not sure like how long we can be there at that point. Our daughter was still in, in the wheelchair and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And um, I would literally wait to come in until after their shift or I would come in early before their shift when I knew they weren't going to be here because I knew that my patience was not there. I knew that I was on hypersensitive. If they looked at me a certain way, if they said something and it just didn't sit right, I was going to pop off. And so the responsibility was on me to control that. I didn't want to lash out on them or, or um, you know, be upset or, or I don't know. I didn't want them to feel as though I was taking it out on them because they were not deserving of it. I mean this place would not be here held together the way it is if it were not for my crew a thousand percent you know so for me it was really trying to moderate it wasn't my... like you could take months off and spend no. time in therapy no. and get to a place where all of a sudden you know you feel more mentally capable of being right here and running this in yeah that but, yeah what are we going to do there was there's one burr yeah you know i mean just had to get back in there and and start up and yeah. she did. And and listen, that anger is there. Dealing with her employees in a way that it's not toxic uh, also goes back to the house, right? Because then you get home and you're angry. Um, and so we fight over stuff. Um, and it's not that it's the intention and, and pain that comes with this stuff. I, I, I've always said, like, that I figured it out after, because she begged me for years with the, with the Army to go to therapy. And I'm like, I'm good. I'm a man. I don't need all that crap. And, and I've figured it out when I came downstairs is I had asked them uh, to turn the lights off uh, before they go to bed. And I went to bed and I came down for PT and the lights were on. And I felt like I was the most disrespected. I was ready to go up and shake everybody awake and tell them how horrible it was. They left the lights on for what, maybe a penny in, in energy that I'm, I'm going to freak out about. Those are the moments for 
for people that have gone through trauma like this, that PTSD, that's what shakes out. That's when you don't realize how you get mad at some of the stupidest things, but because there's an anger in you that you're trying to push down. Um, and, and that's, it's very hard to deal with. I, I, I will tell you, she has, Jess and Cass have maintained a very, kind of not standoffish, but a very, man, they manage who they talk to. You're the third, I think you're the third interview Jess has done. Yeah. And <laughs> in, in this entire time, um, I kind of took that on because I didn't want, they don't, they did not want to deal with it that way. And, and it's hard to talk about, but for me, it helps me. I feel better when I talk about it. Right. So it became a kind of a partnership of, okay, we're going to do that. I got to do this. I got to do this because at the end of the day, I'm, there's a group of folks that are being marginalized. This LGBTQ community is being marginalized. It's the same way that the BIPOC community is, right? And and they're being marginalized and put in a little box and everybody wants to hate on them. And we're sitting here like, dude, these are our friends. This is our family. What's going on? What is the problem? They're not hurting anybody, you know? And, and I got it. They're different than you, but so am I. Right. And so, that's where I'm, I feel like people need to see a veteran, one, who actually cares about people and is not about kill, 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 um, and just wants people to get along, right? Freedom is what it's all about, and, and that's all we've been begging people to do is be nice. I don't know how to solve the gun problem. I don't know how to solve mass shootings. I don't know how to solve anything. I'm just some dude, and, I, and my opinion really doesn't matter. I, mean, I, I got it. I'm on Facebook. Who cares? You know what I'm saying? Like, but people feel like everything matters. Their, their, their opinion has to be out there. I, I don't have that. And, and for us, that's what this was about. Diversity and bringing everyone in. It was about letting you make your own decision. When you drink a Christopher Street beer, you don't even know that, well, and, and that Christopher Street was, is part of Stonewall, right? Yeah. So like, it's a, it's a LGBTQ beer, but half the people drinking it just think it's called Christopher Street. You know what I'm saying? And so sure, for us, sure. that's part of that, that exposure. It's not anything about, Jess always says it, I'm not shoving it in your throat, but it's here. And well, if you want to experience it, yeah, it's I'm here. I'm not shoving our culture in your, I'm proud of our culture the same way that anyone else should be proud of their culture, right? So it's not me shoving my culture down your throat. It's a sharing of cultures. And, and my aha moment with that came when my mom um, when I won Beerland, my mom um, was uh, was going through radiation, and um, she had her entire office rooting for me. And so when I won, my mom goes, "Mija, can you get like a couple six packs of that beer so that we can we can give you know some of it to share it with the office?" I was like, "Yeah." So here I am. I won on I don't know. Let's call it a Friday or something. I don't know what day it was. But I won on a Friday. Then I drove down to San Diego and I took my mom to radiation, her radiation appointment the next day. And so I have all these cases of beer. We're going into her oncology, you know, appointment or whatever. And, um, you know, we're giving the beers out and I'm thanking everybody for their support and their love and all that kind of good stuff. And then the next day my mom had another appointment. So I I go to take my mom and um, her doctor comes up to me. And she goes, Jessica, she goes, that beer that you gave me yesterday, she goes, it has tamarind in it. And I was like, it does. And she goes, oh, my God. So she's Indian. And she goes, mm-hmm. this beer took me back to my childhood. And I was like, really? And she goes, do you know that tamarind is the number one ingredient in, in India? And I was like, I had no idea. That's just a flavor I grew up with. And so it became this dialogue and we were sharing cultures and how we knew this ingredient and what we why it brings us back to our childhood and everything. And I was like, oh my God, this is everything that it should be, right? And so 
that it tied right into that whole diversity it's on tap and that's I love sharing that story because it's something that happened so organically I have a Juneteenth beer here um, that I that I uh, I made in 2018 the same year we opened and um, my my husband was um, the pre president or chair of the the president, vice. the vice president of the um, Black and Latino Leadership Coalition here in Colorado Springs, they were looking to do something for Juneteenth. So admittingly, I didn't know much about it, right? And so my husband starts telling me like, hey, they want to do a function there at Atrevida. What do you think? I was like, let's do it. And he goes, well, I think you need to make a beer for it. And I was like, okay. He goes, well, they had this celebratory drink um, called the Big Red Soda. Never heard about it, never knew about it. And so I was like, I, I don't know what that is. Like you have to send me like a description or something. So he sends me a description, like two sentences of what the Big Red Soda is. I took that and I created a beer. This beer is still being poured today at my brewery. And um, that day I was like, okay, what we're gonna, and my brewery was packed that day. And um, I was like, you know what? I don't, I'm not sure how this is going to go over, but we're going to give it a shot. We're going to see what happens, right? So we had the music playing or whatever at, at I don't know, let's say six o'clock or whatever. We had one of the um, one of the ladies from the from the uh, Black and Latino Leadership Coalition come up to me, and she was like, "Okay, I, I'm ready to do kind of the reading." And I was like, "Okay, cool." So I shut the music down. I was like, "All right, guys, I'm a you know we're we're celebrating Juneteenth today, blah blah blah." And then I turn it over to her. I was like, she's going to do a quick reading or whatever. And then, you know, we'll, we'll tap the beer. And so we shut off the music and everyone's kind of like, what's going on? Like, this is different. It's a little weird, right? And so I'm just staring at everyone's faces and kind of seeing how people are absorbing this information, right? So she kind of reads why it's important, um, the significance of Juneteenth and, and the significance of acknowledging Juneteenth and all that kind of good stuff. And so once she's done with the reading, everyone claps. I was like, all right, beer's on tap. We throw on the music and, you know, it went over so well. And we had people coming up to us and thanking us, soldiers actually, that were here on TDY um, that came up, thanked us. And they're like, we've never seen anything like this at any other brewery. And we are like, you know, craft beer aficionados and all that kind of good <laughs> stuff. And I thought, sure. this is this is the type of stuff that people crave. This is what makes us human. This is what makes us, you know, relatable with one another, you know? And, and so for me, it was so important. I've had people walk in and go, oh my God, I'm not Latino. Am I allowed in here? Cause it does look like little Mexico in here. Right. And that's okay. That's what I want it to look like. It's fun in here. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I'm Latina. I need sure, color. I need, sure. I need vividness in my life. Um, but you know, and, but that same guy that came in, you know, my server at the time was a little perturbed. And, and so he goes in the back and he's like, Dude, this guy's being an asshole. He said this, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, all right. So I go out there and I was like, I'll go and take care of it. So I go out there. I start talking to him. He ends up coming in and sitting down and having a beer. We start talking. We hit it off really, really well. I'm sitting there. I'm having drinks with him, right? I'm having pints with him. And at one point he goes, he goes, I really like you. I really like this place. I'm really sorry that, you know, it, I, the, the introduction was the way it was. And I was like, oh man, you're all good. No worries. You know, blah, blah, blah. And then he goes, hey, can I can I ask you a, a personal question? And I was like, sure. And at this point, we only had a little bit of beer in, in each of our pints. And he goes, how is it working with all women? And I just looked at him and I go, okay. I said, well, give me a second. And I grabbed his pint and I grabbed mine and I filled both of them. And I came back and I said, let me double down on your question. 
And he just looked at me and I said, do you make it a habit of going around and asking other men what it's like to work with all men? And he looked at me, he goes, I'm an asshole. And I said, that pints on me. That guy is now my regular. He's been here since day, since that day, he is one of my regulars now. And, and it's, it's, it's a way of, you know, I always tell folks, I, I, there's nothing wrong with a healthy debate, a good dialogue. It's when you're, you, your opinion becomes fact and you want that person to absolutely agree with you. That's not, no, that's not human nature. Not everyone's going to agree with you. We can agree to disagree and still have five pints together, right? Sure. It's, it's a healthy debate, right? Now, if you're going to come in and you're going to, you know, you want to be derogatory, you want to be racist, you want to be all those things, you can walk right out. I can give two craps about whatever money you're going to spend here, right? Because it's something that's not tolerated. Um, but at the very beginning, when we opened doors, that's what we were getting. We were getting a lot of people who wanted to debate us. We were getting a lot of folks who were like, well, what does diversity mean to you? And I'm like, what do you mean? There's only one, you know, th there's one definition. I don't understand. I don't have my own definition for diversity. I didn't create this word, right? It, it's how we live. Um, so for me, having, you know, I think that there there was a point in time where I realized that beer is my muse and there's a bigger purpose for what I'm doing. There's standard and expectation for how we brew the beer and, you know, processes and all that kind of good stuff. Because at the end of the day, I do want to have a quality product. But why can't I use that product to create dialogue? Why can't I use that product to create awareness, right? And that's exactly what I've done since day one here. And that's still what we do today. You know, um, I, I truly believe in giving back to the community. And, and you know what? I mean, in all honesty, at, and this cap actually happened during COVID. Um, I, I had, from the minute that I opened doors, I would have at least one or two give back beers that I would do a month to local nonprofits. When COVID happened, these people came out in droves. I do everything without expectation of, hey, I scratch your back, you scratch mine, right? I don't do that. If I want to give, I'm going to give without expectation. And these folks came back in droves and literally cases on cases of beer. We didn't even have a canner at that time, you know, mm. um, or a seamer. And um, yeah, these, pe these people came out and, and, and they, they supported us. And then when Club Q happened, I mean, that just times a hundred, right? I mean, we had, oh my God, we had folks globally that were reaching out to us. But the one of the most, we were talking about silver linings, one of the most heartwarming moments was how many people from the industry reached out? How many people, I had owners that were emailing me, calling me, hey Jess, I will send my brewers down there. You guys stay home, mental health is important. I will pay for their labor, you know, uh, the, have them sign NDAs, you know, whatever. We will have people serving beer for you. I had locally here folks that were donating because we ran out of kegs, literally giving us kegs of their beer. Hey, don't shut down. Keep your doors open. You know, let me know if you need more. Like, this is the industry that I love. This is the industry. Like, it, it kind of reignites your passion. You're like, oh, my God, yes, that's why I got in this. That's why I'm in this industry because – it is a family-oriented industry, you know, and, and we're all small business, and we know 
the hardships of what small business is already, right? I mean, a lot of us are still trying to climb out of freaking COVID, right? A lot of us are still trying to recover from that. And I mean, people were doing road trips as a crew, like a brew crew coming out here, swag on swag on swag. I mean, just spoiling us with love and gifts and, and cards and notes and support. Like it was incredible. And it was just like, it was a very, very poignant reminder to me of why I love what I do and who I do it for. Definitely. It, yeah, it, it was, uh, and it still is. I mean, people sure, are still sure. sending us stuff in. Yeah, I, I mean, look, it, it, I made it a point, and, and Jess and Cass, you know, this this is hard, especially for, I mean, Ray was really close to both of them, right? And and that was her boyfriend and her dreams of, of probably being her, her husband at some point. So, so for me, I, I took it, I took it as a people sending us letters, people writing us, anybody that left a return address on anything they sent, I'd send them a, a thank you note. And it, and it was me. I, I wrote all of them. I, I probably wrote a thousand of these things, but it meant something to me. You know, I, I wanted people to know that we paid attention. We, they were heard their note. I mean, we heard oh, stories, we, we heard one. stories of, of, trials and tribulation of, of everything you can think of people from across the world that were in mass shootings and, and felt that same pain. Um, we met the, the, a, a parent, a couple, a couple from Uvalde that lost their, their daughter and, and, uh, and their niece, uh, in the school. And he looked at me, he goes, Rich, I was outside. I was trying to get in and do what you did, but couldn't do it. How do you, how do you deal with that? Right. And, and so they've become friends, you know, and, and, We've kind of bonded with folks as best we can. We're, we're doing all the, we, all the media and events and all this stuff is really just, it's noise for us to, to kind of get through the day, get through the week, get to the next event so that you have something to kind of work towards. But at the end of the day, man, it, this is a very painful, ugly thing. Um, we, we, we are struggling just like anybody else is. And, and, and along with all the folks that were there with us that day. Um, so there is a, there's a blessing to this, and there's also the curse of, hey, we're still going to live with this. In five years from now, when nobody remembers who the hell Rich Fierro is or Jess or Atarida, we're still going to be doing Atarida, you know? And, and that's our intention um, because we think it's valuable. We could have opened in, in El Paso and in, in Denver and probably been a success from the beginning, but we chose to be where we live and be where maybe this, this is something that was needed. We didn't see it here. There wasn't a market. There wasn't, you know... You don't walk around the springs and see tons of Mexicans hanging out. You know, this is not L.A. This is not San, San, California, where we're from. And so it was, for us, a moment of a challenge, a challenge that we sought out. And I think that's what resonated with people because when they go to our website after seeing, you know, whatever X, Y media thing, they go, holy crap, these people have been doing this for a while. This is like they actually... You know, there's there's pictures of us, pictures of us at Pride, at Pride before all this stuff, right? Yeah. I, I'm doing a Pride event tomorrow, um, and it's because we're 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 part of our community, and we want everyone to get along and everyone to to hang. And it sounds very Rodney King, sorry. Um, we just we just really really do want people just to be happy, and and what that's what beer does. I mean, that was the whole point of it, right? Well, happy, accepted, you know, uh, feel safe. I mean, basic human needs right and wants it's not anything extraordinary that we're doing or that that we're um providing i guess not not in my eyes anyway um 
but it's something that we know is needed. It's sure, something that sure. we know is needed. It's something that we've experienced within this industry on our on our personal end. Um, I mean, there was a point in time where we were frequenting, you know, a local brewery here. And uh, so the, the server knew us really, really well. And we had walked in one day after work and, and we were going to go and have a couple beers. And he's like, hey, Rich, Jazz, how you doing, blah, blah, blah. And so we go up to the bar. We sit down, grab our pint. He's like, oh, man, there was another couple in here. Um, earlier that was, they, I guess they had met us at another brewery at a function, beer fest, something. And, um, they were asking him, they're like, oh my God, this couple comes in here all the time. And he was like, I don't know. He's like, I have a lot of people that come through these doors. And, sh and so the wife goes, no, 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 they're a Mexican couple. And he goes, oh shit, Rich and Jess. And I was like, oh my God, that's wild that. If I walked into a brewery and I was like, oh, my God, that white couple, that's everybody. <laughs> You're sure. not going to know sure. right off sure. the bat that's, you know, I don't know, Rich and Jess or, you know, whatever. Right. Right. Um, but it was like it was a moment for me where I was like, oh, my God, no, this is something that needs to happen. This is something like it, it's there's a bigger purpose for what I'm right. doing here other than just making beer. We've been talking for a while here, and I know you've got some other stuff to do today, so I don't <laughs> want to keep you here too long. Um, you know, but I do want to talk a little bit. You know, uh, I don't want to give too much credit to the trolls online um, because I think that you know some of that is probably you know bot driven and programmatic, and just you know yeah. folks trying to probably not even the people that were actually trying to support you. Um, you know, but it is a, a strange problem to then have this overwhelming support in the form of people buying merchandise, you know, for the brewery yeah. and the challenge. I mean, this is a very small business, as you said, Rich, like, you know, you'll print a few shirts and you'll mail them out if people want yeah. them here and there. Yeah. But when you start getting hundreds of orders or thousands of orders yeah. or maybe 10,000s uh, yeah, of orders, you know, you get yeah. to orders of magnitude that become very expensive, yes. very capital intensive to yes. fulfill um, that also raise a lot of red flags with financial institutions, mm -hmm. you know, and cause a whole cascading thing. Because it's not like you know, it you is guys a are, domino you effect. You all are not professional like merch creators and shippers. No, not at all. <laughs> no, at all. we make beer. I keep telling people, I go, I do not make t-shirts. This is not FUBU. This is not Nike. But or overnight, Amazon. <laughs> yeah, or Amazon. Like when people are texting, they think they're talking to a bot. I'm like, dude, it's me. Hello. It's Rich or Jess, the two people yeah, you were they, trying to they support. they want to talk to the, are, the yeah, merchant department. Merchandise department or the like that's us. <laughs> HR guy. And I'm like, no, that's all of us. You know, like that's, there's no there's no separation. Yeah. But but listen, it, 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 it's a it's a blessing. Don't I, I never want to question that. I, I just for me, it was hard to to look at and say, OK, that's my priority because it's us, right? I mean, we're still trying to heal through this thing. And I got it. It's been six months. Cool. But I had t-shirts on there for 10 bucks, man. Where are you going to buy a t-shirt for 10 bucks? Where? I mean, you can't even get a t-shirt for 10 bucks at Walmart anymore. Yeah. And we had it on there because of COVID and it was my excess, it was my excess shirts from the year before. And I'm like, I just need to get rid of them. It literally said random t-shirts because I was just trying to get rid of excess uh, 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 inventory. And then it turned into, you know, hey, let me buy 10 shirts. There's a hundred bucks. And and then and then we looked at it. Well, we, go, the, we go. We go. Well, you hold lose on. Money doing you know, that. Absolutely. Yeah. So then we were like, "Oh, holy crap! We may not even make a dime on this." And and that's fine because we're just excited. Like, just has gotten this thing through to. We're on the last five yards, if you will, um, just to hopefully be completed by the end of the month. Here, stuff starts flowing. Um, but that moment of when people are wearing our T-shirts, 
that's where we're going to be like, holy crap. My daughter looked at us and goes, hey, you know, we're going to go somewhere and there's going to be somebody walking around with an Atrevida t-shirt on. And, and it can be in Houston or, you know, uh, Germany. Or God, pick, we got pick orders place. from New Zealand, Australia, yeah. Norway. <laughs> so, so like, like for us, it's now like Atrevida means something. Like it's, and hopefully that meaning is hope and it is, it is survival. It is that next thing for people. Like it's inspiring. Right. And, and that's what, she, that's all she's ever tried to do. The, the, the financial stuff and all that, that's going to sort itself out. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll be lucky to make something out of it. But at the end of the day, that wasn't important to us. What was important again, goes back to what it meant, what it meant when people spent $10. You know what I'm saying? And, and so for, for us, this has been a huge adventure um, of a ginormous, you know, consequence. But at the end of the day, we're getting there. And we hadn't, you couldn't, I couldn't go to the local well, guy with t-shirts yeah. to order this stuff. You needed warehouses of stuff and you had to stop production of other stuff to do this. So the, there well, was and, no and That's what it was because when this happened, it happened literally overnight. And I had to reach out to our... Um, our website folks and I was like oh my god shut it down shut it down because it was freaking me out my phone I couldn't even I had to turn it off because it was just popping off like I couldn't even send a text I couldn't get any emails my emails went from like five ten to about two hundred thousand like overnight you know and so it was it was it was a really scary and exciting feeling. And it was kind of the same feeling of when I opened doors and we were having our grand opening. I was like, is anyone going to come? I don't know. We'll see. You know, and so that's kind of how it was with with this whole merch situation. Um, we had a lot of folks that reached out and like, hey, I, you know, I do. Um, this is what I do. I print shirts, blah, blah, blah. But we're talking about hundreds of thousands, right? Hundreds of hundreds thousands. Hundreds of thousands. And we went to two different people. And they, they were like, oh, we can take it on. No problem, no problem, no problem. And then we'd send them the information. They're like, uh, this is too big. We can't. Like, because we were buttoning in in the middle of Christmas <laughs> trying to get these things done. And then you go into New Year's, right? And you have to deal. There's so, like, this, is, this was such a learning curve and learning experience for me. The, the, the logistics that are involved in something of this scale is wild. The you have to deal with the legal department. You have to deal with the uh, sales department. You have to deal with the merchants. You have to deal, you know, like there's so many different departments that sure, we're having to sure. deal with. Um, and, and all and, of and which are taking, department. yeah, all <laughs> right, of which right. are, you know, are, are taking, you know, several different days to just answer one question. Sure. Right. And then this is besides everyone taking their personal time off. You know, we had gotten to a point where it was like, okay, we're going to get ready to go. And then we, the next email is like, hey, we're going to be out of the office for the next two weeks, but we'll get back on it as soon as we're there. And I'm like, oh my God, please. You know, but these are all things that are out of our control. And we've, we've done everything that we can up until this point to try and expedite this as much as possible. But again, I don't, I don't expect people to understand because this is not something I would have ever understood either. right? Right. Had I not gone through it. And, um, but an additional layer of pressure and expectation at a time where layers, you're yes. having to manage all of these other challenges as well as your own personal, you know, mental health trauma. Yeah. And well, everything. and, and getting else. our daughter back into brewing, right? Like she, she started brewing again in February, March. So she's just been back in the, the rotation yeah. and Taylor started brewing because we were shorthanded, you know, and, and Taylor, started Taylor actually started brewing before that. And then all of this yeah. happened. And yeah. so, 
so we we are still trying to run a brewery and and so the the merchandise thing i understand totally i i truly truly do everybody's dollar means something right and and the ten dollars t-shirt means a lot to someone and and we want that to be fulfilled and we are going to fulfill it but there was days when we would just put it aside and be like dude I, we don't even care about this this is so there's so much anger about a t-shirt right and then and then the anger in me was like dude you did it to support us and then now you're like mad at me like i because i'm hurting you know i i it became personal and that's, sure, that's not how sure. business works. Right. So, so for me, there's a lot of push off. I don't want nothing to do with this. And Jess is dealing with, she dealt with this. We were in DC for this, the state of the union. And we're taking a call from another merchandiser trying to figure out how they're going to do this. And we're literally sitting on the steps of the Capitol, you know? And, and, and so enjoying one moment that we probably never will have again in our lives. Right. And, and I'm blessed for that. Like the state, you know, are you kidding me? I'm just some little kid from San Diego. So she, and and we're we're in the capital. We're you know we're meeting folks and doing these things, and then we we have the ability and a, and a platform to to hopefully make people happy, and we're not letting this anger kind of get to us as much as we can outwardly, um, but but at the end of the day, I, like like I, I said, think, and that's what it is too because it's it's if if you're gonna be angry at the company and, and you're going to be angry at me, you're going to be angry at Rich, that's fine. I'll take that. I can deal with that. I, I've dealt with worse. I've been called worse, you know. Um, but when you start calling and yelling and threatening my employees or you start threatening us, you know, we we there was a guy that was, you know, they he named off our street. How, how are things going on so-and-so, you know, street? And I'm going – that is a direct threat. That's that's really creepy and scary, right? But these are the keyboard warriors, right? They, 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 this, this is what they do. This is what they thrive on. But, but mind you, this is real for us. So so right, the right. shooter's mom called here, right? That's she called and threatened here. Like so, there. This is not like people think this is. You know, it's all a joke. It's cool. I can I can say f you to these people. We still have legitimate threats out there for us as a family and as a business mm -hmm. like this is not a joke mm -hmm. and and it will continue because she is still out there she's not it's his mom right and and god knows they're from what we've seen they, they're not the most you know uh, refined group and it, it's scary for us you know and and i got it oh the big what are you scared of i'm, I'm scared of everything because it's my wife and daughter right um, I, 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 I always tell dudes cause dudes ask me this thing a lot. They go, you know, wish you would have had your gun that night. Right. I go, no, because my wife was on the other side of the wall. My daughter was six feet away. I would have been spraying into a dark room with music and everything else. Just, I would have been just as bad as a shooter. So there are things that in reality are still, we're still dealing with as humans. It's very real. Yeah. That is very real and is still a threat to us because we happen to have a business. We didn't go in on, on, on November 19th. It's my second 9-11. I always, I always say that because I, I said this to the shooter. I go on a 9-11 uh, in 2001, so 9-11-1, we got changed forever going to war as a family. This is, we went to four times. We deployed. 11-19-2-2, my second 9-11 backwards was that night. Because now as a family, we're battle buddies. When I came back from war, I didn't go live with my, my battle buddies. Even if I was in the barracks, like somebody's PCSing, somebody's going to leave. You're not going to be there forever. Every day we walk in with as, as shooting victims 
in our house, all three of us. And so there, that's, that's that intensity of where we're at. There, there is nothing that I could say to make anyone happy. We tried to post things and, and got, I got it. People are like, hey, you don't respond to things. You don't, you don't, we can't. It's hard enough to, to remain calm, but when somebody is so angry at you, you just stop. And so Jessel posted a thing. We just posted a thing and sent it out a bunch of emails. And, you know, all of a sudden you get back some. And listen, I sent out 111,000 emails, right? That's, I think that's what I sent out. Something close to that. I got 300 back that were like, screw you. So 300 is a lot for me because like I'm a human and I'm just, but in a, it's a drop in the bucket compared it's to less else. than a percent right. yes. of, of but, all of this. But we get it's all the 300. Loudest. That's right. And it hits the hardest. And I, it hurts and the, the most. In the army, we had a, a saying like, like 90% of your time will be spent with 10% of your folks. And that's really where we're at right now with this merch thing. And um, thank God we're close. Ninety percent like, is point oh one percent of your folks. Yeah. So so yeah. like so yeah, so for less. so for us we're like it, it's very intense and it's very sure, sure. we're just happy that hopefully people are going to be wearing our t shirt yeah. like yeah. and at the end of this if we make two bucks cool you know we we don't care the ABS was was uh, gracious enough to to bring us down there and. And, and, and they're helping us out, right? With, with the Bruce's. They literally. Incredibly. Yeah. Uh, 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 Christy? Christy. <laughs> Christy looked at, we, we met at CBC uh, in Nashville. And Christy was like, I, I need to get you on a, on a better system. Because we explained to her what we had. Sure. And she's like, no, we're, we're fixing that. And, and, and she followed through. And, and we were like, there's no way. This, this is not possible. And it's not free. Nothing's free, Right. But they are doing a generous, generous, you know, like, hey, we're going to cover some of this stuff for you. And, and those are the things that in this community that give you hope, right? Especially when you're in a dark place and you're like, oh, my God, how am I going to do this? Uh, uh, she's got many offers of people to put stuff into, you know, different grocery stores sure, and all this sure, stuff. Sure. And we have a can, a seamer for one can at, at a time. Yeah, I mean, it's not... Not even like a crawler yeah, machine. No, right. no, it's just a 16-ounce seamer, right? Yeah, like, we're yeah. like, It's like dude. the single October seamer, yeah. Yep, she had an yeah. order for 400 beers, and I watched this team <laughs> for three, almost four days. All they did was seam, you yeah. know? And, and so it's, it's an arduous task sure, for a small sure. brewery, and, and we are still a small brewery. And... and so Honestly, you have a lot of steps now to take from a, a back end and production side yes. to even get this brewery to where it can meet the expectations of the people that want to help. Yes, you know, right. they want, or even just to enjoy the beer. beer. Just right, to enjoy right, the beer, right? right. Like right. regardless of this, they, there was yeah. she already had half of the deals that she's got going on were already in place before the shooting happened. Yeah, all it did was make everybody go, "Oh my god, we got to sure. do this now!" Sure. Like, like, and we're like, yeah, "That's not a, that's not a thing." Um, but but at the end of the day. We still have expectations as a business to grow and to, to become something bigger. And I always told her, a beer is a beer is a beer. You yeah. know, you can, you can complain about a Corona and you can complain about a, a, a Bud Light or whatever you want to drink. But at the end of the day, it's still a beer, right? And, and that's, that's all you're drinking. What are you paying for? You're paying for that last 10% that comes from the brewer, you know? And, and if you want to spend the money on craft beer because it ain't cheap, yeah. then you're paying for what integrity she puts in her glass or what integrity Bristol puts in their glass or you name your brewery, right? Well, I mean, and, and we're, we're at the height of, I mean, everyone has economic power, right? And so, especially here, I feel like in Colorado Springs, Colorado as a whole, people are very 
conscious of where they spend their dollar, right? And, and rightfully so, they should be. And um, so when when you know when he says it's just beer, everyone could make beer. He's absolutely correct. It's there was a point in time where I was like, you know what? I'm not competing with beer. I'm competing with they have musicians, they have entertainment. They we don't have those things, right? So food. We we don't have food every day. You know, we have Domino's right down the road. You can order in, but I don't I don't play the food truck game. I stopped that a long time ago. Um, so for me, it becomes about the experience. It becomes about the integrity of the business, the message of the business, because these are things that you can't necessarily buy, but you can support with your dollar, right? And so we're always out here. We're, we're, we're present with our customers. We see our regulars come in. We give them all hugs. You know, we, we, we sit out here and we have pints with our, with our, with our people, our patrons, you know, um, they know us as people, not as, oh, the owners rich and rich and jazz. And, you know, I, I've met them once. Like, no, we've had numerous conversations with these folks. These, these are folks who are giving to us and they're a part of our community. And that's what I mean about being present. Right. And that's, that's exactly what I fell in love with in Germany was the fact that anyone can join your table and you're just like, oh my God, bestie. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's a really, really cool feeling. And, and it makes you feel like, a part of something, right? Yeah, You're a yeah. part of something and you become relatable. And th- those are the things that I really love. And, and yeah. Oh, I'm glad you've brought it back around that way because I think that's what sums it up for me. You're making beer with flavors that can connect with people who may not have thought that they could connect with craft beer. Right. And you're creating an environment that allows craft beer to connect with people in a physical and an environmental way who didn't think that they could connect with craft beer. And that's the best thing. about craft beer, you know, is engaging with those audiences. Thank you all for talking with me in this, you know, this was one of the hardest conversations. (laughs) And just listening to you, um, you know, talk about this has been difficult for me. Um, So I appreciate you being open and honest about that. Um, I think, you know, for us, the ball is in craft beers court, Mm -hmm. you know, and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think there are opportunities for all of us out here in the craft beer world to continue to support you all as you guys have gone through this kind of traumatic event, you know, and are still in a lot of ways living through this kind of traumatic event. Um, If people want those in the industry want to reach out and help Mm -hmm. in some sort of meaningful way, how can they best do that for you? <laughs> Usually it's email me because, because well, we shut that off. So that's, that's gone. There's a donate button. Sure, that's the only thing sure, we've got up there sure, now, but, sure. but she has literally, she's inundated with emails. Right. And so when folks reach out and they want to do something or they sure. want to collaborate, I'll be honest, we've done podcasts for, for folks that were just nice to us and we're like, yeah. dude, let's do it. You know? Um, I, I, I am not one to say no. I, I, me personally, I don't make money off of this stuff. Everybody thinks we're making money running around town. I, there's no money to be made. Sure. We don't want to take advantage of this this thing, right? Right. Um, so so for us, if you if you want to contact us, email us and email me, the, the rich at com. Because the Jessica at com, you're not going to get anything. I don't get nothing back from her until the end of the week. So <laughs> I, if, if, if sure, she looks sure. at my email and goes, yeah, I'll wait. Then there's probably there's probably you're gonna probably end up in line. Well, Jess, so, I appreciate yeah, you yeah. forwarding my email yeah. to Rich. I so did. That, so <laughs> that he did exactly what happened, right? Yeah, like yeah. I was like, oh hey, I gotta go see this guy. I gotta I gotta contact. She doesn't even write anything. She just <laughs> forwards it to me now. But 
those are the those are the moments for us that yeah, that yeah. at least we're able to engage with folks, give them an explanation, and I'm hoping somebody learns something out of this stuff. There, like, wait, the, what was it the the we at CBC they talked about that beer uh, for BLM. Uh, uh, black is beautiful. Black, oh, is, black beautiful. is beautiful. Yes, yeah. Kid made a, nothing on that, right? Yeah. You know, he come up with a recipe. He did. He doesn't own the brewery. Mm-hmm. You know, he's getting a paycheck, and and that's where the creativity and the recipe. You just mentioned it, like putting in your glass some flavors that resonate. She's done Thai teas and all this stuff because customers come in and go, listen, this is a tea I, I had when I was a kid. Can you put this in a beer? I think that's the best part. Yeah, yeah. and, and just because she's got a one barrel, she's like, okay, we'll do a batch of that. And so we made a matcha beer. We made all these different flavors you know, to resonate with folks because sure, that's the flavor sure. they remember as a kid. And that goes back to what makes food good. That was That's what makes wine good. That It's a memory. It has nothing to do with the taste. It has everything to do with, oh my God, this tastes like this. I remember this moment. Sure. And and that's what she did with the tamarind beer. That's what we're doing. We're trying to connect with people with all her flavors out there. Because it's it's hilarious when you look at it, the, the, Chapel, the Chapeline mm-hmm. uh, uh, beer. Chapeline. So she steeps, you know, grasshoppers, adobo, adobo grasshoppers in crickets, the beer. Yeah. Crickets. <laughs> You know, like, and, but that's, that's a, a thing lot of in people, Mexico. like a yeah. lot of people ask it. about that beer. And it's, it's they a love it. different yeah. flavor, but at the end of the day, it's bringing something new to the table. And that's what it's all about, right? Craft beer has always been about being innovative. Jess has done that with her employees. These girls all have recipes on that board. Mm-hmm. There is not, you know, it's not all Jess. It is her and her team. And we, we let them know, hey, you go to any other brewery, you're brewing whatever the brewer says you're going to brew. And that would be what Jess says. Mm-hmm. And she gives them the opportunity to explore. And to, to me, that's what makes us, it separates us on the beer end. And it also lives true and it resonates with what we're doing on the front end with the diversity that's on tap. It's, it's giving, she lives it's, it. giving it, it's giving people opportunity that I wish I had, um, that I was given and, and being able to provide that opportunity for them. Right. And, and everything like I, we say all of this and it's not like, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. You can do this. You can do this. Like everything is earned. <laughs> there, there's a process. Please believe that. And, and there's a lot of um, shut off. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there, there, there's, there's been some no's in there for sure. Um, but for the most part is really creating, creating a space where they can be seen. They can put out what's, what's important to them. Um, you know, to their culture, to their lifestyle, whatever it may be, and being able to put that on the board. And then people come in and they're like, oh, shit, what do you know about Juneteenth? And I'm like, oh, okay, well, let me tell you. Or, you know, or people come in and we have some playful ones, Drunken Churro. That's one of my favorite beers, too. It's a wit beer. Um, churro is one of my favorite desserts. And I'm a, I'm a tequila girl, a little agave in there, right? So, I mean, it, it's really kind of marrying my, like, People ask me a lot what what my recipe building process is, and I'm like, I, I'm so different. Like, I don't, I don't think of the beer first. I think of, for me, it's a breakdown of either a personality or a dish, or uh, there has to be some type of inspiration behind my beer. Once I have the inspiration, then I can put that, break it down, and put that to a style of beer. And then go from there into the recipe building. So it's very, very different for me. And this is the same way that that I train, you know, the girls in the back or the the ladies, I should say, not the girls, um, but the ladies in the back when they go through their recipe uh, recipe building process and all that kind of stuff. And and it's funny because now 
they debate me. They're like, oh, no, I don't want to put that in there yet. We have too many beers with that in there. And I'm like, all right, cool. <laughs> um, but, you know, that's that's what it's about is them sure, finding sure. their voice and their passion in this industry. And hopefully them at some point opening up their own business and paying it forward, you know? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Well, before you all miss the birthday party that is wait, next. Wait, yeah, we, we tend, we tend to talk. Party. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, you're going to have to edit the crap out of this. That is that is perfectly okay. Uh, uh, I appreciate you all talking with me about this. If people want to come visit the brewery, yes. you're right here in Colorado Springs. Yeah. Just Google Atrevida Beer Company. Um, I, I mean, the the address and all that, it's old school. You know, everybody's got a phone. Just Google Atrevida Beer. We're the only one that'll pop up and, and bring yourself down here. Uh, we we are open doors and and we love having people in from all over the place. Um, and and at the end of the day, please you know keep in mind the folks that were in this shooting. Um, if if you want to donate dollars, donate dollars to them. Um, these are kids that had a very challenging coming up. You know, mm-hmm. I, I I always for me and I'm friend of war man, and I still look at these kids like, dude, I don't know how you came out. I don't know how you dealt with the scrutiny and the and the pain of folks rejecting you like that. Um, or 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 the joy of finding a place where you can be, express yourself, which is now closed, right? So the Springs doesn't have a gay community. The Springs has gay spots. So these kids don't have a spot to go right now. You know, they're, they're finding other things to do. And so for us, if you keep them in your mind and your prayers, and, and, and if you want to spend dollars, spend dollars on them. Because this is, these are 20-year-old kids that for the rest of their life are scarred. And we'll have bills and things that are going to come up. And those are the things that we need to help with. We're old. We got, I mean, we're, we, we've got a business and, and we're, we're not, we're not anybody, you know, we're not millionaires, God no. Um, but, but we're, we're comfortable and we're happy with that. So what for us, it's about making sure those around us that we're involved are, are able to be successful knowing that they're going to have challenges on top of the challenges they already had. Um, the LGBTQ community for us has, has, opened their arms wide to it. I mean, they had a straight guy as the grand marshal for the parade. Come on. You know, I was, I was beyond uh, uh, blown away by that. And for us as a family to have always supported a, a community and then now have the opportunity to really kind of show that side to other folks because we have people in here come in and they're like, you know, I, I appreciate it because my kid's gay, but I, you know, I don't really talk about And we're like, dude, you, be proud of your kid. You know, like you could lose them. Because somebody has, has a hair, in, you know, in the wrong spot, and they don't they don't like it. Um, this is this is a huge thing, and, and I hope that folks can just be nice um, to each other. I, I, I always said that if this kid maybe had somebody at a Walmart shake his hand and say, you know, hey, how you doing today? What's going on? Maybe he wouldn't have done this. You know, I, we have no idea. But if if you're that isolated, somebody saying hello kind of gives you a voice. And and we used to do that in the stores. So that's something I think. People need to do is just say hello and, and, and shake a hand. That's what craft beer is all about, right? You show up at a brewery. We met our friends here at Great Storm, like because there was no seating left, and we were like, "Hey, can we sit with you?" And they're like, <laughs> "Okay." And so we just had a conversation. All of a sudden, we're at their house for a homebrew, you know, session, and we're friends ten years from there. And we've seen them have kids and all this stuff. Chip and Joe were there with us at the shooting. Um, those are the things that make craft beer special. To us. Those are the things that make craft beer special. Period. And, and so if you want to get involved with anything, get involved with those kind of folks that are, that are having a tough go. Um, I think that would be a blessing for us. Um, because at some point you can buy it in a can somewhere, but right now, you know, you got to come to the brewery. So that's kind of where we're at. 
Yeah, and, and I was gonna say, like for like-minded folks, that would, I know that there's a lot out there in the in the industry, and um, maybe doing collaborations where we can, you know, do gift back beer of some sort. Um, I know that no one right now wants to work on my equipment because it's like, you know, we're the auger, <laughs> we're the rake, we're everything back there. Uh, but once we get that shiny new equipment, you know, maybe we can do some type of collaboration or something else like that that um, that would give back to, you know, to a, a great cause. So. I'd yeah, keep at that. it. And and this is, it, it's organic. Don't force it. And, you know, I, I, we kind of, at CBC, we're hearing everybody, how do we make, you know, diversity, how do we bring in this new market or, or a market of, of BIPOC or LGBTQ? Don't force it. Just let it be natural. And 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 honestly, just be nice to people. Mm-hmm. And, and that's that's being diverse, you know. Um, be welcoming. And, and I think that resonates with people. And when, you, when you force it and, hey, today we're having a, you know, today's the gay beer. I, I, I don't know. You know, I, I mean, you can't, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta come at it with some class, you know? So you just be careful it with can't, it. It can't be wealthy white men. Well, yeah. Saying, How am I going to calculate the perfect marketing yeah. approach to appeal to this right. kind yeah, of audience? Right. Because that's not what, what true diversity there, is. There, there diversity has to be yeah. hiring people, you know, in yes. this way, they create products that connect with people yes. that reflect um, the kinds of, you know, broader people, you know, audience that you want to bring yeah. into a brewery and create these things organically in yeah. a way that's authentic. And, and, way and, that's and that's, and nothing's wrong with, you know, Hey, we're all white dudes and we own this place. What the hell do I do? Do something, figure it out, go hang out at another place and, and sure, meet sure. folks that you've never met before. That's, that's what just is meaning and by also act, just supporting you know? too. Yeah. You know, just support show is up, huge. show up. And, and that will resonate. People will see you at a location. They would like, Oh, wait a minute. These guys, these guys mean it, you know, or, or these, these ladies mean it. Um, and, and be support, present. yeah, be present, support your pink boots and support all these things that are out there. Yeah. Support um, pink boots. It, it, because that's, that's what matters. Right. Um, because right now that's the only market that's growing because that's the only folks that was left behind. Um, so, you know, all, all the other dudes, you know, with the beards and stuff, all the, all the hipster stuff went away. So now it's like, well, what do we do next? And I guess we topped out on that yeah, market. Yeah. You it's know, it's right, done. Right. right. So, so now it's like, what's next. And, and I think that's what it is. Honesty, authenticity, like you said. Um, and, and what, what she's trying to do is natural. It's not forced. And, and I, it always comes off that way when you see it, you know, the, the whole Bud Light thing, it was kind of a, a forced thing and it blew up in their face. Because you didn't handle, you've never done that before. You can't just be something tomorrow. You have to live it. You have to be it in order for it to be authentic. And, and so that's, that's what we're trying to do. Whether, whether, whether at the end of the day it makes us money or not, we, you know, we don't know. We just did this because this is what we want to do. We have a passion for it. Well, thank you all for living these best possible craft beer values. Value, <laughs> values that you know, we all should strive to live up to. And, uh, and thank you for continuing to do what you do in the face of all the difficulty that you all have faced. Um, thank you so much for talking to me and sharing your story with our audience of, uh, of brewers. No, thank there. you. Well, thank you so yeah. much for inviting us to this. And also uh, for everyone out there listening, thank you so much for all the love and support. This industry is amazing. Um, and and we, we hear and see all of you guys. So thank you. Thank you so much. Cheers. Thanks. Cheers. Cheers. Salute. That is my conversation with Jess and Rich. So much there to be inspired by and learn from. If you want to learn more about Atrevida, check out their website at atrevidabeerco.com. Find them on social media or go visit their tap room in Colorado Springs, at the corner of Mount View Lane and Nevada Avenue. G&D Chillers has set the standard on quality, service, and reliability with 24-7 service and support. 
BSG and HVG bring you Amira with its classic hoppy, slightly herbal, and zesty lemon aromas. Try Old Orchard's flavored craft juice concentrate blends in your next craft beverage. AccuBrew helps you detect problems before they ruin a batch. ProBrew's rotary can fillers reduce waste and produce higher quality packaged beer. Tapski QR code ordering is the future of brewery ordering. Omega stylized yeasts bring intense guava and passion fruit aromas out of your malt and hops. Keep your brewery running smoothly with five star chemicals. And ABS Commercial is your full service brewery outfitter. I'll be back next week with another great brewing conversation. Until then, cheers. This podcast has been brought to you by Craft Beer and Brewing Magazine for those who love to make and drink great beer. To learn more or to subscribe, visit beerandbrewing.com or find us on social media at Craft Beer Brew. 